You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Johnson. On the AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Sleepy Hollow After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Sleepy Hollow After Show. Yeah, it's that witchcraft, baby. So, so smooth. Hey, everybody. Bing is for doing, and we are doing another Sleepy Hollow after show. This is episode 102, Blood Moon. My name is Matt Lieberman, and joining me on the panel, as always, are the fabulous and talented Miss Jackie Borowski. Hey. And the hilarious Mr. Stephen Lemieux. Oh, yes. Listen to some Sinatra. Mm. Oh, yeah. I totally had never heard that song before, but then I realized as I was watching it, that's the song that the Singing Sword sings in uh, in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So that answered like a decade-long mystery for me. Does this mean I have to like buy you a CD of Sinatra's Greatest Hits? No, but I mean, you can. I think I should. I would like. This, this makes me sad. Okay, well, don't be sad, okay? We have so much good stuff to talk about because this was a great episode. We got answers to a lot of questions. We laid some groundwork for the future of the series. Uh, we had some death. We had some creepiness. We had fire. Uh, but I want to start by talking about Ichabod uh, and Abby, right? Kind of reeling from their experiences in the first episode. But we start with Ichabod having a vision. Yes. Right? He's in the forest. He's being chased by the four horsemen. Yes. Yes. Uh, which I was very pleased to see that they answered my question from the last episode, which was, where are the other horsemen? And we know that they're coming. Yes. They're on their horses. Yeah. They're on their horses. So, and they're coming. The, in the original legend, death is the final horseman yes. uh, to appear. How I how I took it was that back in the se- in 1781, death was the final horseman to be raised. But when his head was chopped off, the other ones lost their power or were able to be fought off. And now death is re-raising everybody else. I think that's a good way to read it. And I I want to apologize because a lot of uh, a lot of people pointed out that oh yeah, bring this up. I did not realize where. I don't know why I didn't realize that the horse came from the stable. I think it, because it had red eyes. Yeah. I just got obsessed in my head with the fact that it was supernatural and totally forgot that it came from the stable. It's still a magic horse, though. It yeah. is a magic. We can't horse. even. We can't deny that it's a magic horse. That might have been a magic stable. Yeah. But it was a magic horse. That- well, or maybe when the headless horseman, he has such a magic body with magic buns that when his Whoa. magic buns sit on the magic on the horse it becomes magic okay so <laughs> now we're all gonna have to re-examine the apparently lusciously magic body of the headless horseman yes yes because apparently his buns are so firm they turn horses eyes red yeah yes <laughs> Because that's 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 what's up. Okay, uh, so yeah, we don't know. It, it, he got the horse from the stable, but he somehow made it demon horse. We're gonna say demon horse because, like, 
eventually they're going to have to run down that horse and I don't want them to have to kill a normal horse. Yeah, that would be sad. Yeah. They have... What um, do headless horsemen know about feeding horses anyway? He probably feeds it with his own, like, hate and rage. Okay. He really doesn't have a good head on his shoulders to know something like that. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) I want you to just, let's put a quarter in the cheesy joke jar, and Um, we'll just keep it all season long. I'm going to be able to buy an Xbox One with that by the time we finish. I know. And it's all going to be you. Yeah, (laughs) bro. Sadly, yes. (laughs) Jesus. Okay. So we had that. Was there another thing that we needed to address from last week's episode? Uh, One was... uh, Somebody named Chaos pointed out that there, the 144,000 was actually the number of people protected by God's wrath in Revelation. Interesting. So and that's another connection. Yeah, that, I think that was uh, just a cheeky sort of reference on their part. And mm. then um, same user also said that snakes and frogs are associated with evil. So maybe that's why the snakes and frogs popped out of the jars and they're still alive. Well, it's probably why they were part of the spell. It probably was, right. was a dark spell or they were used to ward off evil. You exactly. know, maybe evil cannot touch evil or something like that. Um, and then several users, uh, including Chaos and a user named Cheryl, pointed out that this this whole witches burning thing was very confusing to me because I didn't think witches were burned at that time period. Yeah. Um, but they're, um, for the mythos of Sleepy Hollow, they were burned. And they mention in this episode that they're... Um, their bones are buried in the basement because yeah. they're not... Uh, I and this was another problem I had. I was like, uh, I'm. I didn't think that if you were known to be a witch, that you were buried on. You can't be consecrated. You can't ground. be. They said that last week. They said it last week and this week. If you are a witch, you cannot be buried on consecrated ground. It's why her grave was empty uh, at the at the church. But all the here's the thing, right? So all the witch bones are buried in the same place in the catacombs, <laughs> and I'm like, well, aren't Kat- aren't Katrina's bones there too? Because she was also a witch. But we don't know if we don't know where she is though. Like we don't know if she was really burned or that's just what they put on the gravestone to mix in with the mythology of Sleepy Hollow and make people not really guess. But Cyrilda Cyrilda of Abaddon, she said that uh, that she was caught between worlds, much like she was. I, I feel like she's caught between worlds either because they can't find her bones mm-hmm. or because um, because her bones have been misplaced. Well, that's the thing, right? So in this episode, I feel like we kind of lay some groundwork of a witch can revive itself if its soul is raised and it finds its bones Mm -hmm. and then achieves some sort of task, some sort of penance that can raise it from the dead. Right. So maybe that'll be kind of a quest over the course of the season is trying to track down Katrina's bones so that they can resurrect her. Are we still under the assumption that Katrina is a good person? I am, yeah. I am too. Because I, I mean, I think she is, but at the same time, we have 22 episodes this season, right? Yeah. And they're hour-long episodes, so a lot can happen, and I really feel like I had this, I had this crazy idea watching last episode with how much she could show Crane if the demon was her. Interesting. So the, de- the Faceless Beast taking on the form of Katrina to gain Ichabod's tr- trust and manipulate him? Either that or Katrina was always the demon, but here, even from the past. I don't know. Because, like, if the demon is so powerful, right, that it can go into it can go into Andy's cell and bust up his neck and then completely change the camera feed, you know? Like, it, why would it need 
why would it need to do that? It's so powerful. Why would it need that kind of subterfuge? What sort of possible outcome are they looking for? I don't know. I just know Miller's really important, and Ichabod is now the closest person to Miller through manipulation to Mills, to Mills yeah. through Katrina. Yeah. I feel, though, that the demon, I thought they mentioned this, the demon was the first of the evils to be raised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So, and I don't know if Katrina could really do that, because when that was raised, she was still stuck in the world between worlds. Yeah. So I'm not... I'm not sure she's linked, but somebody did point out, um, Michael B., that the hawk, that the hawk mm-hmm. could be her familiar. Which totally makes so, sense. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. I, I hope we see the hawk. Yeah. Yeah. For I those who... crazy predictions, guys. I'm sorry. No, we no. love them. <laughs> yeah, no, we that's, the, those they, are welcome here. And they bring, they bring forth other questions that we have about the episode, yeah. which the, is what is important. Like, what did you guys think of seeing John Cho? I was so creeped out by that when scene. When he burst out of the body bag? Well, when you didn't see who it was at first, and you just see this lump on his neck. You're like, yeah, well, for a second, I thought it was the Headless Horseman. Yeah, me yeah. too. Me too. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, Headless. Yeah. I thought we weren't seeing him this week. And then snap, I'm like, what? That looked creepy as yeah. all hell. And he's not, and he's, they didn't kill him again in this episode, which means he's sticking around for a little while, which is great. Because uh, we all love John Cho. We love Zombie John Cho. Zombie John Cho <laughs> is rad. And he's playing him like as this kind of like cold and broken person. Like you can sense the regret that he has for being alive and carrying out these horrible tasks. You know what I mean? Like every time that he got someone's name, like he was so he was so apologetic. He's like, I'm so sorry. He was like, Todd, it's nothing personal. Oh, you're talking about Breaking Bad? Well, yeah. comparing a little bit. But he yeah, was it's... like Todd in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, not Stupid giving anything, not giving away. anything away. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. There's nothing really to be done. You know, he's no longer alive. He has nothing to live for. The only thing that's keeping him on this plane is the faceless beast. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, a big necklace to throw up, though. I know. Well, did, did the medallion look CGI to you guys? Yes. He's tossing down some jewelry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he points his finger at him, and then suddenly he's just got jewelry in his in his throat. He's just pulling up this long chain. Gross. That must have sucked to shoot. I know. Stuffing a chain down your throat. Throwing up demon bling. Yeah. No one wants demon bling in their throat throat. That's a safe place. Damn right. So I want to break down. We got this dream, and I love the kick-ass cool helmets on War, Conquest, and Famine. Yes. They have cool helmets. They do have cool helmets. Which, like, makes me wonder, why did death have such, like, a stupid-looking faceplate and bald head when he hit a head. Because he should have been wearing his kick-ass cool helmet, because those helmets rock. I think the mask was badass. The mask just looked like Bane. Yeah. Kind of like Bane, but I gotta say, there's... Revolutionary Bane. There's, <laughs> there's something creepy about, like, just a metal plate on your face there and is. white skin. Yeah. There is, especially when it reminds you of Bane, because Bane is creepy. It's super creepy. Don't make me do my Bane impersonation no, for the please. rest of the... Well, yeah. but here's the thing, right? So, uh, Katrina is causing visions for Ichabod, but then by the end of the episode, we see Abby have a vision of Corbin, who, so I'm wondering, okay, are they both going to be having visions all season? I think so, because they're both, they're like the magical wonder twins. Yeah. So. Well, we know that Katrina's not, not leaving anytime soon because she was in the main title. She's right. one of, she's the fourth lead on the show. She's starring on the show. So she's in it probably every episode. Corbin, I'm wondering if he gets added to the opening titles next week, 
Because I would love to see Clancy Brown stick around for a long time on this show. I love Clancy Brown. And uh, I'm wondering if that means, A, is he a witch? Or was he like a warlock of some kind to be able to come back in this way? You know, is he in the world between worlds? Is everybody who gets their head chopped off in the world between worlds? Maybe because Ichabod wasn't related to this world until he was harmed by death. Right. And now he was killed by death, so maybe in a way – because I still think he was just someone – a third person from the outside who had been studying it. Mm -hmm. And perhaps everyone related to the witnesses, because now we know that Ichabod and Mills are the witnesses, the two witnesses spoken about. Or actually we don't even know that. Well, yeah, the no. Two witnesses could, could be, be Abby and, and Jenny. Sister- yeah. Abby and Jenny could both be the witnesses, the witnesses, and Ichabod is just like there to help them. Yeah. Um, and as we saw by the end of the episode, she's basically Sarah Connor from Terminator Two. Yes. Uh, doing pull-ups in, and it's like not even like a, an amalgam or like an homage. No, she's Sarah Connor from Terminator Two. They couldn't come up with their own like creative spin on it. It's literally the same. She is the same. She's the same thing. And I'm like, okay, lift from the best, whatever, you know? But, like, like Kurtzman and Orky, come on. You're just giving us, like, a mishmash of existing pop culture tropes instead of adding new stuff. That's, like, just one quick rant. I'm happy about it because she's going to be cool and it's going to be a good character and it's not one that I was expecting. Fine, fine, fine. But there's zero difference i feel they do this on purpose though they want it to be referential to a lot of pop culture things yeah because people get excited on the net when they when they see something that they recognize but i mean come on they have so many references even even the villain in this episode like the mummy yeah i mean it was they had so many things like that but i mean giving nods to people isn't a bad thing necessarily i don't think okay um, other thing, I, I feel that the world between worlds is purgatory. So if the world between worlds is purgatory, then everyone who is stuck in the world between worlds has some unfinished business because purgatory is where you're biblically supposed to be before you can advance to heaven. Well, that makes sense because uh, Corbin's life's work was solving these murders and preventing the apocalypse. Katrina, the same thing. Yeah. So that makes complete sense that they would be there. Um, what I really like about this show so far, and this is kind of dipping into like the scenes from next episode, but this isn't like prediction. I like that they're bringing old mythos in, like the, each Dark Soul, which will be referenced. Because last week we were talking about how are they going to have a show if it's just a headless horseman every week? Yeah, and then they kind of give it a give that the like, oh, he hasn't been here for a while, but we can't necessarily mean that's a good thing. But now we have kind of the premise going in, like, okay, so next week we have the uh, the Sandman. And then it's somewhat X-Files to me, and I really, really like that. I like that we're going to get these crazy, like, old mythos things coming out of the other side that will be joining from the Dark World. Well, there's, like, there's bits of X-Files, there's bits of Fringe, there's bits of Buffy. Like, they literally, they found their their library. It's the library (laughs) from Buffy is the records room. Secret records room where they keep all the stuff and that he literally calls the armory. And that will be the official name of the room where we go get the stuff we need to fight the bad guys. Like, that's literally... And Ichabod is young Giles. Yeah. Back when he was the Ripper. He is young Giles. He's young Giles, and he's a badass with an eidetic memory. And that's how we know, like, there's something... When you're, when you're making a series, right, uh, one of the biggest things in development is if you're doing crime solving, there needs to be a reason beyond the premise why your characters are good at their job. 
and that's we found out Ichabods. He's not just like a super soldier with with great looks and a British accent uh, and knowledge of some stuff. He's right? basically the Sean Spencer of Psych. That yes. just happened to be fighting in the Revolutionary War and transferred 250 years in the future. Right. Or I mean, Sherlock he Holmes. at Oxford, which is not like... Yeah. No, he's a genius, yeah. and he's he can remember things even just by smelling them, which is crazy. But it's a useful <laughs> skill to have when you're a consulting detective, which is what I assume they'll eventually call him. Like um, Sherlock. That also reminded me of Sherlock. Exactly. Taking the best bits from all the stuff and putting it together... Um, also, I saw the hashtag sleepyheads on Twitter. I'm hoping that that is the... The writer started that. The writer started yeah. that? All right, F yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm calling it. Uh, I like, I'm, I'm a sleepyhead. I'm yeah. down. I'm, I'm down for the head. cause. Yes. I'm I didn't tired. wake up till one today. Sleepyhead. Sleepyhead. Represent. Yeah. Ba, 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 ba. Uh, um, I want to talk a little bit about Abby. So she kind of goes through, she, she's t- in talking with, uh, the captain, Orlando Jones. Uh, it's going to be a few episodes before I call him anything other than Orlando Jones. He's Orlando Jones. Slash Captain Frank. Slash Captain Frank. Thank you. Uh, and he gets her to start her whole doubt thing all over again. And I'm like, why are we doing this? We did this in the pilot. She's seen stuff. Why is she doubting uh, Ichabod all over again? Let's make her conflicted for some reason. Yeah, so that but she can not be later. But then he the doubt stuff and then basically says, you have free range to investigate. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, he like leaves. He's like, look, I don't trust you. I don't trust this guy. But uh, I'm actually heading out of town. So if you want to just do <laughs> whatever you want, do that. Uh, um, so she goes and she finds Ichabod at the motel. And I love that they, that she stuck like sticky notes all yes. over the mo- motel. Yes. One of so my favorite moments. Figure out how <laughs> things work. And then he's watching Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And he's so freaked out. That was a great little, little bit. Cause you see the, the horse riding up and you're like headless horseman. And no, it's, it's Caesar, the monkey, the ape. He's not a monkey. He's an ape. He's an intelligent <laughs> ape. If, if intelligent apes are real, sorry. You're not monkeys. Anyway, you're apes. Anyway, we also met Abby's ex this week. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was awkward. Oh, my gosh. And I feel like they threw that in because there are so many people from the beginning because these two actors. They that, have so much chemistry. They have so much chemistry. So I feel like they're like, okay, well, we already threw his ex-wife in there that he's, like, by the end of the episode, we know he's going to try to revive yeah. this season. Well, not even ex-wife. Late wife. Yeah, late wife. But he's still in love with her, still wants her. And then they throw, they give her conflict by giving her this ex-boyfriend who's like, so I was in the military. And he's like, he's like, well, I studied at Oxford. Yeah. Well, they give him this ex-boyfriend that... She didn't really have to break up with because she didn't leave town. And she doesn't want to explain why she doesn't want to be with him. Right. Uh-oh, uh, SpaghettiOs. Exactly. So he's still going to be in the picture. So, I just loved his, like, cheekiness, like, ooh, you betrothed. Right. And she's like, there was no betrothal, okay? Um, and uh, Showed some ankle. Two. Yeah. And, she, and then she tells him, I will pay you to stop talking. And then he says, I am in need of currency. <laughs> The dialogue I, between the two of them just kills is me. It's so funny. And, like, when he's looking at the receipt for the donut holes, yeah. and he's just, he's outraged. He's like, we went to war over a 2% tax, and there are no people in the streets of a 10%. <laughs> Bastards. 
That's not what he said. Um, but I just but, love his like moral indignation. Yeah, exactly. Well, because he's experiencing the world as it, as it is now, and that's one of my favorite parts. Um, but in his conversation with Luke, the ex-boyfriend, he says that he was wrongfully accused and then duly released. Now, I don't recall him being released. He really. was released. He's not in prison. He's not in handcuffs. That's basically, that's what happened between the last episode and this episode. He was released from custody, but he is still, uh, he is still kind of being watched because he is a person of interest. Right. He's a person of interest. They probably finagled something to keep him out of the, uh, out of the mental institution. And I guess what we'll see in the next episode and, and moving forward is, uh, Captain Frank, Thank you. Not Orlando Jones. Captain Frank is going to learn how to trust them because he's going to have to because there are going to be more murders and more craziness. And because they know about the magic library. Exactly. The magic <laughs> library from the catacombs. The Where catacombs. if you're looking for something on this witch, you can definitely just randomly find a book that talks about her. It's yeah. Buffy logic. Yeah. <laughs> I actually really liked how they tied that in together, though, with the with the book and talking about the covens and the, one, and the woman who used white magic mm-hmm. and then finding out later that it's Katrina. Like, it really kind of ties it well together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did anyone also notice in the scene where they look at Katrina's grave that they have that, like, the pyramid yes, mason from symbol? Yes, the mason symbol. And then I was like, I was expecting him to pull out a dollar and do the whole national treasure scene. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Too. John Voight shows up. <laughs> exactly. Oh, John Voight would be great on this show. He but would. We, uh, we aren't getting John Voight, but we are getting John Noble. Yes. From Fringe, which is just awesome. I love him, and I loved him on that show, and he's going to be great on this show. I really hope that that means there's going to be some sort of Mason tie-in, because I could see him being like a Oh, Mason. totally. Or like head of Good Coven. Yeah. You know? Like, he's, he's, he's our replacement for the dead priest. Yeah. I could totally see that. I think, uh, I think we're going to see Orlando see um, John Cho. And I think that's what's going to make him kind of trust oh, yes. Abby and them mm-hmm. more. Oh, because John Cho. John Cho is running around. He kind of just took a police officer car. And nobody notices it's missing. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not it's not a huge town. I'm shocked that nobody has noticed the dead guy walking around. Right? <laughs> weren't you dead weren't the other you, de- day? Hey, man, weren't you <laughs> dead two days ago? Didn't I see your body on the news? No? <laughs> I guess they're a little oh, preoccupied man. with the uh, charred corpses. Yeah. Let's talk – well, let's talk some charred corpses, let's right? Let's talk some charred yes. corpses. Yeah. So uh, Cyrilda like totally lights that furth dude up yeah. uh, and then what claws his out his heart basically. Seamus Colin Firth or something? No, yeah. not Seamus Colin <laughs> Firth. It was she- like Stephen – Stephen blank Firth. Jonathan Firth or something? S- Stephen Seamus Firth or Stephen oh, Michael Firth. Oh, it was Firth. Jeremy Firth. Jeremy Firth. Dang. There was a middle name in there, and yeah, I, I, know. I just wrote Jeremy Colin Firth because I was what pressed for time and oh, okay. obsessed with Colin Firth. I like the makeup they used for for it's subtle. It's for the charbroiling. No, not for not no for, for John Cho, right? No, not for John Cho. I'm talking about for the witch. Oh, yeah, like the way that was not subtle. They could no, they could have gone. They could have gone totally CGI and all that crap. But I really think there's something to be said with good special effects through makeup that makes something seem a lot more real oh, and totally. creepy. Yeah, she and was burnt totally. as – and you, what's interesting is uh, another fan point, pointed out, I think it was Cheryl, that bodies – the bodies at the time when they were burnt at the stake didn't burn completely. So it made sense that she was just a 
not fully burnt corpse yeah. going around. Totally. It was a really, really cool makeup job. And it's like, why why not use practical effects when you can? Because they're often cheaper than CGI. Cheaper and they look better. She looked great. And, uh, you know, I loved her whole quest in this episode. She felt betrayed by these people who burned her at the stake. And she's she's going to get her life back by any means possible. I was so scared for that poor kid. Oh yeah. my gosh, yes. That was terrifying. That was, was terrifying. Was she really betrayed, though? She kind of burnt several crimps to completely the to the ground. And then they kind of had a justification for burning her. But then I liked I liked how cheesy it was when... Uh, John Cho puts the necklace down. You just see a big burst of flame, and suddenly she's there. Yeah, that was just so old school, but still very effective. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it just it, it speaks to the tone of the show. Yeah. Oh, and it's, when they captured her, yeah. she like floated in the air with the net and everything. Exactly. I loved that. That <laughs> yeah. was maybe my favorite effect in the whole episode. Yeah. It's like a subtle thing, but that makes complete sense. And that's the thing. This show, it's spooky fun above all else. You know, leave any expectations of logic at the door. But at the same time, the logic is not going to be so poorly thought out that you'll groan. Right. It's like it's it's lean, effective logic. Yes. If you want to have fun, you'll buy into everything the show throws at you. Right. Which is great because it could, it, could, it could easily have fallen the other way. But I think our, our leads are so likable and they deliver, you know, what it's could true. be really tricky dialogue so well that you just you want everything to work and then it does. Right. So my question to you guys, when she cuz we were talking about how she burned everything and left corpse in her wake. Sure. Corpse. corpse yeah. yeah. That's a corpse, yeah. Yes. And when she goes after the boy, do you think she realized that the boy was not related? Yes. And I that's think, why she let him go? Because yeah. she could have easily charred him, right? Yeah. But the boy was an innocent. Well, yeah. 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 I feel like she she was so focused on whatever her mission was, and she's magical, so yeah. it must be when she got in the vicinity of the boy, she realized it wasn't him, and the urn was right there. Yeah. So she must have noticed that, and then... She's a spirit. She probably sensed it. it the moment that she got real close to the kid. She needs some visine, though. Oh, yeah. Those eyes are red. Mm-hmm. She's been smoking mad dubs in the world between worlds. That's what I do. I'm I do like the storyline though, where she's going after the ancestors of the people who wronged descendants. her. Yeah, descendants. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. You're allowed. They they did a weird ancestors descendants switch, and I feel like they totally noticed it, but didn't change it because like the pro- like she said in uh, in Greek. You know that your ancestors' flesh will pay for my resurrection, but then it would. And then in that same sentence, he's like, "So I think they're going to go after her, his, his, their descendants." And I'm like, "Well, why didn't you just say descendants in the first place? That's it's, weird." Do you know the Greek word for descendants? The Greek word? No. Well, they didn't either. Okay. Well, mm. <sighs> Roberta Orkey and Alex Kurtzman and Mark Goffman. Fine. You're allowed to. There do you that. go. You're allowed. Did you enjoy the show regardless? Yeah, I enjoyed the show a lot regardless. There you go. I watched so, it twice. <laughs> so then she uh, she finishes the spell and they blow her up. Yeah, they blow her up and you for a second you think that that gunpowder totally isn't going to work. Yeah. And it was a fun little fun little double take. It almost felt very like Pirates of the Caribbean yes. in its tone of that kind of a gag. Yes. And uh, I think that that's very welcome here. Yeah. That kind of like Jerry Bruckheimer light-hearted action comedy yeah. fits in well with this world. Well, we get a good foreshadowing too. The episode begins with him being pulled down to the catacombs. Yeah. And then it ends with them being in the catacombs, and eventually the savior of the catacombs is what they have there. Mm-hmm. But do you think um, they blew up a lot 
do you think that there's still a lot of witches' bones down there? Or do you think we're done resurrecting witches for a while? I think that probably some bones are damaged. Some bones are damaged, but there there have got to be still one or two more skeletons in play. Because they were buried deep in the ground, and John Cho had to. Dig yeah, them. you're right. Actually, yeah. So probably some skeletons were ruined, but some still exist. What I'm wondering is, Andy, right? Andy, sorry. Andy. All of us are like, John Cho the zombie. Andy John Dunn. Cho. Sulu. Yeah. Sulu, John Su- Cho the zombie. Yes. Dead Sulu. No, John Cho. He's a great actor. Anyway, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so th- there's just this big gaping hole in the basement of the of the sheriff's office of the police department, and no one's like... Hey, uh, what's going on with this hole? Anybody know what's going on with this hole? There seems to be a tunnel. Uh, there's rat- vacation. We don't care. There's rats coming out. Anybody? Anybody? No? All right. I like, hope they move, like, the filing cabinet in front of it. So it's just like they move it out. Yeah. And then they well, go they in better. Jeez. I mean, he just he just busts the wall open, and Abby's like, "What? What are you doing? What are you? Stop it! Stop! Oh, don't worry. I have a I have a wet floor sign we can put in front of. It. Yeah. Um, were you guys surprised that a pick came out instead of an axe in the in the fire thing? No. Yeah. Like I was. I thought he was gonna actually grab a fire extinguisher, but yeah, I was like, okay, so they keep ice picks in the in the fire extinguisher. Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, it's it's the sheriffs. They need more of a cool weapon. <laughs> Our axes was are that cool. a pun? Please tell me that was a pun. Oh, oh uh, ice pick! It was you now not have a pun. to put money in the pun jar. Damn it! Dude, it's fifty cents, Matt. Oh man, we're gonna make so much money. We should have a competition for our tweet fans that like will put their name in a jar, and at the end they get the tweet, they get the pun jar money. They get the pun jar money. <laughs> uh, let's. It's, are we gonna commit to that right now? I mean, we can. I'm just. I'm gonna stop making puns. <laughs> Maybe it's something we should do. It's a 22 episode season, Steve. That's a lot of pun money. Well, if we go at this rate. It's a lot of punny. See, that's already a dollar. And that one was totally worth it because I thought it was funny. Damn it. All right. We're going to lose so much money. Fine. All right. We're we're in. We're in already. We've already lost $1.50 to some lucky fan. We'll figure out the exact rules for this sweepstakes. $1.50. 25 cents a pun. People would be in the streets for that amount of money. Quit it. Okay? I'm I'm already mad at you for costing me what will likely be a lot of money by the end of this season. We'll figure out the rules to this sweepstakes and we'll tell you about it next week. Steve, thanks for that. Um, but while we're Steve's on... going to put his name in at the end and then accidentally... He's going to put his name in like ten times. Don't do that. If we're going to have a sweepstakes, let's make it real. We know Twitter hates me. I wouldn't be able to do that, Jack. Yeah, Twitter hates you for some reason. Uh, but really quickly, I just want to thank uh, our fans for making us the number one AfterBuzz TV podcast Woo! on what iTunes. Breaking Bad? Yeah. I know. Beating Breaking Bad a week before its series finale is a big deal. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, to everyone who wrote to us on YouTube, YouTube, thank you. We love your comments. Please rate and comment and subscribe on iTunes because that's how our bosses know how much you love the show. We love hearing from you and hearing what you think of what we do and what you think of the show. We want to have this conversation with you all season long. So help us by reaching out. And you can tweet at us and we love to tweet back. 
Yes. I'm actually going to go to iTunes right now and do some shout-outs for people because we got comments on iTunes. Snap. Within one week, we got eight five-star ratings. Whoa. And one, we got... one of those comments is me, though. Okay. So. Oh, I thought the Jackie B123 looked a little familiar, but... but I. <laughs> I well, thought that that was just a stalker. I know it seemed it seemed too well written, but <laughs> love you, Jackie. So let's give a shout out to Sir Ichabod, Sweet. who says a fun show gets a fun podcast. Thank uh, you. Sarah five two seven, love the host together. James Re seven four, greatest show on television. Uh, Mad Mimi sixty, fun show, and Queenie Marie Vickers, great show. Oh, well, Aww. thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. You rule. And that's why you get shout-outs. And more people who do iTunes reviews get shout-outs next week when we also announce this damn pun sweepstakes. <laughs> I'm, like, such a fool for peer pressure. It's crazy. It's like if there's an audience, I get I get dared to do stuff all the time at my improv show. Um, ugh, I've chugged way too many beers at improv shows, guys. And for what? So if you want to see Matt, if you want to see Matt get drunk and do improv, if you want to see me get drunk and do improv, keep tuning into this podcast. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll 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 chug a beer on air if people really want that, but I don't think they do because we should be talking about Sleepy Hollow, guys, <laughs> not about my life mistakes. Okay, I think I think your life mistakes are related to Sleepy Hollow. Well, speaking of life mistakes, please. The witch doesn't survive the gunpowder. She does not. But that was a pretty damn cool scene Are when she tamed sure, her body back. We don't know yet. Because well, John Cho, Andy, Andy Dunn, John Andy Cho, we thought was going to be dead. Yeah. Oh my god, that when he was like walking, walking behind, behind her, and then she's gone, and you don't see him again the rest of the episode. Right. Which like then begs the question: Is he flesh and blood, or is he a spirit? Because I'm pretty sure he's flesh and blood, right? It's his body that gets up. Yeah. So then how do you do the disappearing act? Well, I mean, he just wasn't there when she turned around. Doesn't right. mean he wasn't somewhere else. But Fair. But I, he's still in play. That was really cool how they had her lay out the bones and then just lay into the bones. Mm-hmm. It made me want to pop my back. But, like, still, it was really actually pretty cool. Sweet. Um, any other last words about this episode before we move into p- predictions? Number 49. Yes. So, um, so Corbin tells her to tr- not be afraid of number 49 mm-hmm. and to trust 49, uh, which turns out to be Jenny Mills, who, instead of being batshit insane, which is what I thought she was going to be, like right. a basket case, no, she's training for war, war against the apocalypse. And I'm like, that's awesome. Um, she's doing pull-ups and she's not taking the pills. She's so good at it. Because she's a soldier and a boss. Dude. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very excited. And I'm also excited. I just, um, I read this in an article on, I can't remember which article it was, but they were talking about how the show has a very diverse cast. Men, women, people of all kinds of different races. Of color, yeah. And, and it's a very, uh, say, like, different ages as well. It's a very well-balanced cast, and it blends seamlessly. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to comment on it, which, like, I hate having to comment on it now, but it's so rarely seen on television that it was, it's such, it's such a blessing to see a more, I guess, normal, like, balanced out cast. Totally, because that's what the world looks like, yeah. you know? And it's like, you compare this cast to, say, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and it's like there's one Asian member of the cast and everyone is just so white. And uh, Nicole Bahari is just so awesome. She's so awesome. And I already love the girl who's her sister. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And but that's the thing, right? We're gathering up all our characters and we're gonna have a Scooby gang like we straight out of Buffy within like the next <laughs> Three episodes, because Orlando Jones is going to be in, and maybe they'll be able to save John Cho's soul, and just dead John Cho will be, like, the fifth member of their Scooby He's gang. like Xander. Yeah! <laughs> He's like dead Xander. Well, they've already they've already broken the fifth wall on the first episode, bringing back someone who's dead. Fifth the wall? The fifth wall. I mean, that's what I call it. When writing, when writing takes a, a necessity of death and then just throws it out the window, then it opens the doors for anything. So like well, some, I mean, Ichabod broke that too. Well, yeah, but like he—you knew he was coming back. But That's like John true. Cho is someone who's obviously like we, nobody thought he was going to be alive again. Yeah, right. And now we could even see the sheriff coming back. We could see Regularly. anyone who's been killed coming back. So really, nobody dies in this show. That's true. It's it's an interesting it's an interesting uh, rule to to make. Like when you're setting up a show or a movie. You know, with a TV show, it's probably in the first three episodes. In a movie, it's like the first 10, 20 minutes. You're making a contract with the audience. You're saying, these are the kinds of things to expect. This is the tone to expect. Those things won't change unless it's for a good reason. Right. So they're setting, they're, they're setting in effect a law of the show, which is that anyone can come back at any time as long as magic is in play. Dude, there's lots of magic. There's so much magic here. And we're going to get way more of it. I want to go into predictions. Yes. And And now, now, you're after Buzz TV predictions. Matt calls these predictions dreams and the shape of things. Yeah. Well, okay. It's not just our dreams for the show, but it's the fact that both of them are having visions. I'm wondering who's going to get more magic powers. Like, will will, uh, Abby or her sister... Be using magic to fight uh, demons by the end of this season because we need we need a spellcaster on the team. I don't think right. Ichabod's the spellcaster. He's uh, he's our he's Giles. Yeah, he's the muscle and the brain. You know, Abby is is really the the leader. I think she's she's our command or our commander, and she's going to be our detective and so on. Jenny is going to be the wild card. With the brute strength and the fighting skills. I don't know. We need a spellcaster on the team. I think Abby might be our spellcaster. I think so, too. Learning yeah. some white magic. And what might happen is uh, the sheriff, I keep forgetting his name. Uh, Corbin. Corbin. I think Corbin might be the one to teach her. If Corbin knew... From beyond the grave. Yeah, if Corbin knew magic in some way, if he was like a human who learned it, he would be the one to teach her. And I actually wanted to go into this really quick because we forgot to mention it. We kind of learn Corbin and Abby's history a little bit more. Yeah. We forgot to mention that because, I mean, that was a powerful scene when it's like that was the – I got more fathering Fathering in in that that five five minutes minutes than than I did in the rest of my life. Exactly. And that's – that made me really want two things. Mm -hmm. Made me really want apple pie. Right. And it also made me want a lot more scenes between those two. Right. Because they had great chemistry too. It's one of the reasons why I was so bummed when he got killed. And we also learned that she's she's so conflicted. Like she was – what was it? They robbed a – it was a hospital. Uh, no, medicine? a pharmacy. A mm-hmm. pharmacy. Yeah, and, and she was doing drugs. She got screwed over by someone. So I mean, we might even see like that. We might meet him. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if he's a member of a coven. And when, <gasps> now we know though why she's a cop. Yeah, because she she got turned around at the right time in her life. She could have gone down a very dark road, but instead she was she was ready to go to Quantico. 
So She's I, ready. And, and it's significant that, so in this story, the, the turnaround point is them eating apple pie together. And then at the beginning of the season, the point where she's about ready to go to her next step in life, to go to Quantico, is them eating apple pie together. And he's trying to convince her to stay in town Mm -hmm. because he knows what's going on. Yeah. Well, he was having fries. He called her a fry thief. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think – one question I have for you guys. Please. Just tell me what your opinion is. Do you think her sister will forgive her for leaving her for all those years or do you think there's going to be a lot of – animosity between the two of them i think she'll uh, i don't know about the logic of the show but if you think about sisters like i think she'll forgive her i think she'll forgive her just to be able to join forces with her i think she'll forgive her in time i think that there's definitely going to be a level of resentment there she let her languish for many years we don't know how often abby visits it may very well be that that's just part of her life that she tries to forget about so I don't think it's going to be an immediately happy reunion, but I think over time that relationship is going to be one of the most complex and interesting ones on the show. And did you get the feeling that she was afraid of the demon in the room or she was being manipulated by it? Could she be neither should be, could she be working out because the demons telling her to work out to do his bidding? Cause I mean, she's been in there a long time alone with this, with this demon. Yeah. I think she's uh, – because the last episode references battling demons. This is a literal image of battling demons. I think that she keeps seeing the demon and that's what's encouraging her to work out because I think she's seen it so much she's no longer really startled by it. But I don't think she's like in a John Cho, Andy position where where she's just like, okay, crap. I'm still not dead and I have to like raise people from the dead. But uh, I, I, I think that she is – I think she's gearing up to fight it. And I think that there's going to be a sort of confrontation where she, she actually had to be in the mental institution and knows more than Abby does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She knows more than Abby does. I, I'm not so quick to immediately dismiss that theory though, Steve. And, and, and I'll tell you why. She's definitely training for something her – her experience has turned her into more of a weapon than a person. Mm-hmm. And the question is, who's controlling that weapon? Is the demon controlling that weapon and training her so that when she's released, she'll be an effective spy or just weapon of, of destruction for the beast? Or is she training herself at, in a challenge to this thing that has tormented her all of her life? And especially her responses were so monotone. Yeah. And so inhuman in a way that mm-hmm. you never know. Um, and next episode, we have the Sandman looking pretty creepy. I forgot what that movie was where it was like the dream world, but it had like the dude who was in charge of it. Mm-hmm. It was like this murderer. He looked kind of like that. And this kid looking like – I like that every episode is getting a little creepier than the last. Yeah. I think they're going to bring in because they're ta- – they had a good idea where we were like, okay, how do you sustain this? How you sustain this is you bring up um, – I guess what their version of apocalyptic like imagery. So if you have all these like different demons coming forth because they hinted that, okay, she was the first demon to be raised. Yeah. So there's going to be a series of demons to be raised that they have to battle. And, um, I think they're going to get really creative with it. I agree. It's, it's definitely going to be an exciting season. Everything that we've seen has made us just more excited. We might even see Bane. We might <laughs> even see Demon Bane. Demon Bane. What about old Greg? 
I'll see all Greg too. Yeah. All right, uh, Stephen. Where can the people find you? Uh, let me find this lower third. There. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Stephen Lemieux. S T E P H N L E M I E U X. Or doing this Sleepy Hollow podcast. Dexter's over, so I'm not doing that. And then maybe engineering all the great shows here at AfterBuzz TV. Fantastic, Jackie Borowski. At one two three Jackie underscore B. That's Jackie spelled J A C Q U E on Twitter, and uh, at one two three Jackie B on Instagram. No underscore. All right, and you can find me on Twitter at Matt Lieberman. That's M A T T L I E B E R M A N. You can also find me here on AfterBuzz TV on the Breaking Bad, Low Winter Sun, Marvel's Agents of Shield, and Sons of Anarchy after shows. All in one day. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching and/or listening, and we will see you next week. Good night. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Good night, sleepyheads. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 